treasure. When I think of treasure, I think of a well-known pirate who once said, not all treasure is silver and gold, mate. And treasure, treasure is very interesting because it reveals to treasure something is to value it. Turn with me in your notes to Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. This talks about three kinds of treasure. What moth destroys is clothing. And when, when Jesus spoke, clothing was very valuable. It was a lot of work. Women had to spin thread, which I talked to someone at the Renaissance Fair this summer, and they said that to make, to keep one weaver busy for an hour takes eight hours of spinning. So labor-intensive, all the clothes. So do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. This word is also the same for eats, where it, over time, it consumes, and where thieves break in and steal. I don't know about you, how, how many of you have had something stolen from you? I, in high school, when I was on my mission trip kick, I had more than one camera stolen from me. The one that I took most personally was when I left the camera on the table behind me and presented a VBS, a vacation Bible school, and then I turned back around after we were done, and it was gone. Someone had been brazen enough to steal my camera with it in front of 60 or 70 children. It's not a good feeling, is it? Of course, other people have had worse things stolen from them. Unfortunately, my parents belong to the group who have had a car stolen from them. And it still had a bunch of things they needed to return to Ikea because they were fixing up my dorm room um, for my very first year of college. The police found it, luckily, but it's just, when things get stolen, it's not a good feeling. It's like some part of you has been violated. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My first point for you today is that treasure is whatever we worry about. Treasure, whatever we worry about. And I was thinking about this verse this week, and I was thinking, what do I worry about? And I realized one of the first things that came to my mind was that Whenever Stephen and I are traveling, I worry about our cats. I'll turn to him and say, do you think the cats are all right? Do you think the cats are all right? It's come to the point where he says, knock it off. Uh, that it, You're asking about it isn't going to make it any better. And we, we do leave good caretakers in charge of the cats. But 
My worry about the cats, it was weird to think about them as being a possession, as being a treasure, because I really more consider them to be furry children that are entrusted to me. So I got online, and I went onto Facebook, and I asked people what they worry about. I was curious to see what all everyone worries about. Some of you even answered. Most people, the biggest response that I got is that in some way, shape, or form, we worry about our children. And why not? What is more valuable on this earth than children? They're so precious to us. They are treasures. So what does it mean when Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. When it comes to children, they will eventually grow and no longer be in our care. Unlike my cats who will never graduate from total dependence on humans. Children are entrusted to us for a very specific period of time, and then they're out on their own. And the way I hear mothers describe it is that it's like having another heart walking outside of your body, but you don't know what's going to happen to it. So we worry. Many other people express concerns about finances, especially people my age. Some people have described millennials as being selfish, entitled, and all kinds of nasty words for us. But here's the reality. We worked our backsides off in high school to look good on the college applications. And then we dished out, we accrued a lot of debt to go to get an education so that we could get a job. But when we got out, everyone had a college degree. So college degrees no longer meant as much, and so we didn't get jobs that would pay that debt off. I escaped this through various means that are very idiosyncratic to my situation, but so many people my age are worried about their student debt, worried about making a living, worried about ever making it out of poverty-level jobs. Others worried about salvation. Salvation is a treasure. It's a treasure in heaven. But my heart went out to those who worried about their salvation because our salvation is sure, and we need not worry about it. Jesus continues to say, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and and money, or both God and mammon. What the word mammon or money means here is anything, any earthly possession, anything we treasure here on this earth. There's a, there's a book that came out in the, in the years before the Civil War that Abraham Lincoln said caused the Civil War called Uncle Tom's Cabin. This book was so famous that Ellen White even wrote about it. Uncle Tom's Cabin told the story of a slave 
who was practicing his Christianity despite being in the cruelest bondage. There's a scene where Uncle Tom is being beaten by, the, by his owner, Simon Legree. And almost to the point of death, this man is suffering. And Simon Legree says, I own you, body and soul. But Uncle Tom turns to him and says, my soul belongs to God. The funny thing about ownership is that everything we have, not just our physical treasure in the form of finances or our emotional treasures in the form of our children, but our very lives belong to God. So Jesus, Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. It means we have to make a choice between trusting God with the things he has entrusted to us or not trusting him and trying to do it through our own works. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Two weeks ago, I had an opportunity to observe some birds who were flying around um, a well-known landmark here in Los Angeles. And it was interesting watching them. They were, always, they were picking at the food of the tourists, and they were very busy, but they were utterly unconcerned with the future. There's nothing wrong with working to make a living. That's not what this passage says. But as we're working to make a living, we cannot make that our idol. The birds, the birds as they flit about and they're, and they're eating whatever they can, are only doing what comes to them in that day. They are trusting God for what comes to them in that day. My cats are not good at this. Every morning, they wail, afraid that the food's not going to come. Every evening, they wail, afraid that the food's not going to come. Cats aren't very good at trusting God, but sparrows sure are. What are we going to be, a cat or a sparrow? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? When it comes down to it, God values us. We are God's treasure, his prized possession. We are so loved by God, and we don't even know it. It's easy to start worrying about the job. It's easy to start worrying about the finances. It's easy to start worrying about how our children will turn out. It's easy to worry about all these things. But God, we can be confident that God 
finds us valuable, that he finds us precious, and he will take care of us. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? From what I understand, worrying about things actually shortens your life. It raises your blood pressure. It can exacerbate heart conditions. Worrying about it, now make the distinction, worrying, not thinking, it's okay to think about taking care of our needs, but worrying about things only makes things worse. And why do you worry about clothes? Oh, my point was God will take care of our livelihood. Yes. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The, the interesting thing about clothing is that it's not just that it's a treasure, it's about our appearance. It's a little more indirect than the whole thing about our livelihood. We get so worried about our appearance and how we look to other people. We dress ourselves up all pretty for church, which is great if we're doing it to honor God on his, on his um, date night every week. That's what the Sabbath is, a weekly date with God. But when we're, dressing, when we're dressing for other people and we're worried about how other people will see what we're wearing, what we're worried about really is our appearance. We're worried about our reputation. Jesus didn't live like that. The way Jesus lived in regards to his appearance was he did what he knew to be right and didn't watch out for his reputation. He ate with sinners he ate with prostitutes and tax collectors. Can you imagine anyone here actually going and eating with prostitutes? It's still a challenge to us today, the radical, the radical way that Jesus viewed appearances and reputation. So we worry. We worry about how other people will see us. We worry about what our... LinkedIn will be like professionally. We worry about so many things to do with our appearance. And there's a whole industry for it, too. Anyone out there been to Ulta? I used to, I actually used to, I used to wear a lot of makeup because I was so scared of what people thought of me. I used to wear it because I pastored at a church where almost every weekend someone had a camera out to photograph a special event, either a birthday or an anniversary or a Pathfinder Sabbath, and those pictures would be all over social media by Monday. And it made me so nervous that I would spend two hours practically before church each week deciding what to wear, doing my hair, doing my makeup, all trying to see, make, sure that, make sure that I looked okay in these pictures. 
I'm not saying there's anything wrong with trying to look your best, but when it becomes this nagging worry that you have, like I did, it's starting to become a barrier between you and Christ. There was a time... There was a time when Stephen and I were engaged where the church was throwing us an engagement party. And I freaked out about what to wear. And I wasn't sure if the decorations would be, would be yellow or gold. And I wanted to match the decorations. I chose a yellow shirt and the decorations turned out to be gold. And I was like, ah! But when I talked to my parents about it afterwards, they said, Jillian, it doesn't matter. Your people love you. They don't care what you're wearing. And that was a stunning moment to me, that when we know that we are loved, we don't worry about how we look. Those of you who are married, when you wake up next to that special person of yours, are they at their prettiest they'll be for the day? No, we all have morning breath and our hair's all scrunched up. But we keep on waking up next to the same person every morning because we love them and we care for them and we know that they love us. In the same way, God will take care of your appearance because he loves you. He doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care what your reputation is. He doesn't care if your clothes match the decorations. He doesn't care if you're, sh if you're wearing black with brown, which I heard was a real no-no growing up. He loves you passionately. He's crazy about you, no matter what you look like. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Things aren't bad. Beautiful clothes aren't bad. Treasures aren't bad, especially the treasures that are our children. But God knows your needs in these areas, and he only asks that he comes first. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. So however much we love our children, we must strive to love God even more and to give to God our children. However much we worry about our finances, we must love God more than we love our more than we worry about our finances and give the situation to God. The greatest treasure is God's kingdom. And when we concern ourselves with that first, everything else comes into place. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble enough of its own. The last time I preached to you, I was so worried because Pastor Pacchini told me not to practice. 
And I've told you about my methods before. I used to practice three times the entire message through before delivering it. And so I was so nervous. It was also my first time preaching with a um, tablet. And you know, I got so nervous that I skipped a point. Some of you caught it. I skipped point three entirely. But I'm glad I did. Because that point was, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. What I was going to say then was that if your New Year's resolution is reading the whole Bible, it's easy to get intimidated, especially when you start getting bogged down in Leviticus like I am right now. Leviticus will end. Leviticus will end. And eventually you'll get into Joshua, which is so exciting, and Judges, which is so disturbing. But you can't look at it as one huge chunk that you have to swallow all at once. That's just a way to be crazy-making. You just go chapter by chapter, whatever you have for that day, and you enjoy it while you're there. The one thing that makes me disappointed every time I read through the Bible in a year is that Genesis goes by so quickly. And it's full of such great stories that take time to digest and enjoy. Take that, if you were to eat all, if you were to be shown all of the food you would eat in a lifetime, would that be intimidating? But instead, we, how do we eat? One meal at a time, one day at a time. And most of us don't do our grocery shopping for much more than one week at a time. Take it one day at a time, and God will take care of the rest. This doesn't mean that we don't prepare for the future. Yes, contribute to your 401ks. Yes, contribute to your 403bs. But do, do not let the worry about these things distract you from the great love that God has for you and how he will take care of you because he loves you and he wants what's best for you and he knows that you have needs. So I would like to invite you to, I would like to invite you to bring those needs to God as we pray today. Let's pray. Lord God, We all have needs. We all have things that worry us. But what we own and what we worry about, all of our treasure, doesn't belong to us, it belongs to you. Lord, today we give back to you our treasure. We give back all of the things we worry about. We dedicate our children to you. We dedicate our finances to you. We dedicate our appearances to you. Let us, become, let us become the nail on the wall that holds up your portrait. And let us worry about nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen.